0: Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I came across an Esther Perel post that I thought was really interesting um definitely brought some stuff up for me and so that's why i'm turning it into an episode esther perel uh i love her stuff because it's challenging it's thought-provoking you know it's a little bit in your face and uh, whether you agree with what she says or not i think what's important is that um your beliefs your definitions about love and relationships and and infidelity all of that is challenged right and it's usually um in the challenging of something that we can new definitions, and even after we're challenged, if um, we are holding on to old definitions, that's you know that's fair. But uh, if you look at the challenge honestly, and you look inward, and you are get you get at it instead of judging it, um, the practice of letting go of old blueprints, the practice of challenging your old definitions your current definitions i think it's always a good thing because i think that's how you uh plow the soil plow the growth soil you know what it is it's what's that shit that you put on um grass to make it uh, grow super grow i don't know there's this stuff that i remember in the 80s it was big uh because i was um it was one of my chores to go into my lawn with with the it's, just, it's probably toxic chemicals and i had this little thing that i would that i would turn around like almost like a jack-in-a-box thing and as i did it they would it would um sprinkle all into the grass and in the 80s we were very competitive of, of, of about our lawns and if your lawn wasn't green uh like literally your lawn wasn't green uh people talked a lot of shit there was a there was a slight neighborhood competition going on anyway i'm bird walking okay so uh the post was about relationship myths and um as i was reading her post i agreed with what she said i may have a different reason why and and that's what this episode is about is taking those myths and then me do i have a slight lisp i think i do um taking those myths and then going in through my door my angle um my exploration instead of just um, plagiarizing or cutting, in, <laughs> cutting and pasting <laughs> from Esther Perel. All right, so here are, I didn't do all of them, I did most of them. Here are six relationship myths. Okay, number one, if yes. the sex is not good, then the relationship is not good. Now, here's what's interesting about this one. Okay, I actually believed. Uh, I believed in this myth most of my life. It wasn't until recently in this relationship that um, I started to to actually think like, okay, the sex doesn't have to be amazing, and the relationship can still be good, you know? And I don't know if it's because I'm 49 now. Uh, I mean, I'm still really sexual, and I still put sex and intimacy and connection very high up as far as, um, you know, uh, the things that, that that are valuable to me. But it's not everything anymore, you know? And I don't know if it's because I'm less horny or if it's because um, I've evolved or it's because I have uh, the ability after many relationships now to see clearer um, on what's important, you know? So this is a myth. Now, now I, I got to say... If the sex is bad or there is no sex because there are things happening underneath, like people holding on to anger, resentment, um, if there are relationship issues that need to be resolved, and, and because they're not resolved, the sex is bad, that's different, right? Then obviously the relationship is is bad. Um, but I think that's more of uh, the sex being the byproduct of a relationship that needs work okay so that I think that's different but just in general if the sex isn't good because people um, you know we we don't communicate much in the bedroom Um, we don't put a lot of effort into exploration right Uh, we just kind of do what feels good we get used to routine you know whatever right if the sex isn't good there are so many other things about a relationship that can still be good, that can bring joy and connection, and uh, it's not just about sex. I mean, you know, he, he, a good example is uh, uh, the partner I'm with now, and I've been with her for five years, what lights her up is uh, passionate conversations, you know, and this is something that she she had to remind me of when I asked her, sorry, I think I have something in my mouth, I'm embarrassed. Um, <laughs> I get embarrassed because it's not going to be broccoli. It's going to be seaweed. And uh, um, when my mom comes over, she brings like Costco-sized stuff, whether it's toilet paper or in this case seaweed. And then I have to, um, I feel like I have to consume it. I don't want to waste it. So having seaweed in your mouth uh, can look like you have a missing tooth, which is not good. So anyway. Let me take a breath. I I collapse on myself all the time. I trip over my words. Okay. (sighs) Relationships aren't just about sex. Relationships are about connection, but sex isn't the only way you connect. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that's what's different about me today as a 49-year-old as opposed to when I was in my 20s, where I felt like connection was sex, right? And so, going back to my partner telling me that um, what really makes her feel connected, or one of the things uh, is, is passionate conversations. And uh, that's a good example of um, it not just being about sex. Sometimes sex is the ripple, is the byproduct, is what happens when you have other forms of connection, you know? Anyway, okay, so that's a relationship myth. The next one, this is a common one. Um, que- I get questions about this all the time. He cheated on me. Does it mean he's going to cheat on me again? So this whole myth of once a cheater, always a cheater, th- this, is, this is not true. This is not true. Uh, it's too- Infidelity is complicated. A- and uh, just because someone cheats once, because there are so many factors um, and so many different types of how that happened, or, or different circumstances, right? And I, I don't want to minimize, you know, I, cheating is cheating, there's broken trust, uh, I, I get all that, but let me give you an example. There's a difference between someone whose relationship is not good, and they're at a party, they meet an old flame, you know, maybe they have a few drinks, uh, something happens at that party, right? Because the meeting someone at the it's like the 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 wrong was it what is it the wrong time the wrong place the wrong time i don't know but the that's like a circumstantial thing i don't i don't want to say that that's okay but that's very different than someone who say for two years have been uh, has been living a double life and has been (laughs) cheating on you with this other person um you know, multiple, ha- having full-on relationships with someone else, right? They're, they're, they're both cheating, but they're both very different. They have different layers to that, right? And so once a cheater, always a cheater is a myth. It's not true. I think every um, situation is different, and so we can't put a blanket statement on infidelity. Okay, next one. I have six, by the way. Next one is uh, your partner is also your best friend. Here's another one that I really had to struggle with because I, I don't. I believe this, and, and there's there's all you know. There's also a giant should that your partner should be your best friend, and if your partner isn't your best friend, then you're you're with the wrong person. I think that giant should can be damaging. It puts a lot of pressure on your relationship to look a certain way, and if it's not then you start picking it up, uh, picking it apart, right? Yes, ideally, of course, you want your partner to be your best friend. Um, But you know what? I don't think that has to be a standard rule. I I don't think that, um, because we have a lot of best friends, right? And think about it. Think about the best friends that you have. And think about how different they are. And think about why they are your best friend usually they're for different reasons right we we have the friend that we could say anything to and that person's our best friend because we um they're also kind of our therapist (laughs) and they're the people that we really um can be ourselves around well i mean we should be like that with all friends but this person you know we go deep with right i I call this type of friend your, your coffee and crepes friend because when i was going through my rebirth i had a handful of friends and uh we would have coffee and crepes and talk about just deep, sensitive, uh, vulnerable stuff, right? So we have those friends, but we also have friends that we connect to on the dance floor because every time we get together, we just have a great time or we have friends that um, we just laugh with, you know? I have a friend that I, I laugh hard with just by being in the same vicinity as him he doesn't even have to to open his mouth. I just look at him and start laughing. So we have that kind of um, dynamic with friends as well. And I consider him a, a best friend, right. And so we have different types of best friends. So just to say that your partner has to be your best friend. It's so I don't know it just so it's so black and white. It's so limiting. It's so um, there's so much nuance in every relationship. And so it's too much of a generalization. And so so my thing is, I used to believe this myth, I used to believe that, yeah, your partner is your best friend. That's the one on the top, you know, no one comes above your partner. And it's, I think it's unrealistic. I think it's ridiculous. We have a lot of best friends. We, we and of course, our partner can be one of them. And, um and if your partner uh, isn't your very best friend, then it's okay. You know, you're getting other things from that relationship as well, right? Don't judge it. Whew. I think I'm going to get a lot of pushback on that one. All right, so next one is fighting is a sign that something is wrong. There, This is a myth because um, it's not about how many times you fight, it's about how you fight. And so I would say that fighting in a toxic way, or fighting in an unhealthy way is a sign that something is wrong, is a sign that this relationship isn't sustainable. If two people can't fight fair, if two people can't fight in a healthy way, where both people are trying to be are trying to understand before trying to be understood, if there isn't active listening and um, vulnerability. If the fighting is toxic, if the fighting is abusive, if the fighting is unsafe, the relationship has no legs. Uh, it's only a matter of time before someone says, that you know, I'm done, right? And so this is a myth that fighting is a sign something is wrong. We all fight. There's conflict in relationships. It's normal. It's how we fight. It's how we resolve conflict. And we have to do it in a healthy way for the relationship to be sustainable. Okay, fighting can also produce relationship glue. Have you ever had a fight in, in a healthy way, not people throwing chairs? And it turned into a deeper conversation. and you know, there's hugs and, and kisses afterwards, and you realize, man, I just learned so much about my partner or myself, um, or because of this quote unquote, "fight." I feel lighter I feel closer to my partner of course you have right so that's proof that hopefully you have that's proof that fighting can be a good thing and um, not all fighting is bad and if you're one of those people who avoid conflict like many are um, I challenge you to run toward conflict trusting that it's you know uh, healthy so you could give yourself uh, the new experience and rewire your your body so you're no longer afraid of conflict, but okay with it, and um, maybe even running toward it. Meaning that that it's important to resolve things for you so you can you know have more peace. Okay, the next one. This is number five, and it is that um, people in a relationship don't flirt. I know, this is another one where people are gonna. What are you talking about? You shouldn't flirt when you're in a relationship. Okay, let me just say this. The way that I see flirting isn't <laughs> you're, at a, you're at a coffee shop, you, you see someone attractive and you follow them home. Okay, that is not cool. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about flirting in a subtle, harmless way. And also, you know, like the word that comes, comes up for me is intention. Everything is about intention, right? We're human. We, we, we want to feel attractive and desired. And, you know, if, if you're out in public, and someone says, you know, someone tries to, to flirt with you. Um, it's a compliment, it makes us feel good, right? That doesn't mean that you want to leave your partner, right. Uh, and also, when 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 you're flirting, you may not even be, um, you may not even be aware that you're flirting, but you're being flirtatious. There's also a lot of people just with like, very extroverted flirtatious personalities, and it they don't, doesn't mean they want to sleep with you. And so, yes, I think people flirt. Uh, There's different levels and degrees of flirting. And also intention, you know, is is a big thing, right? If you are, if you are actively flirting with someone to sleep with them, I don't think that's okay. Um, But there is a subtle flirting as humans that is just part of the exchange. It's the energy and as long as you, your intention isn't to uh, cheat on your partner, uh, it, it, I think it just makes us human, you know? We're also not flirting to lead people on, right? So going back to the word intention. But, uh, yeah, people in relationships can flirt a little bit. I think it's, it's just being human. Okay, uh, and the final one is that honesty is the best policy. I used to believe it, and I'll tell you what, there are some things, there are some things, and I don't know if it's to be dishonest. I don't think that's what she means by this. I don't know. Uh, for me, it's not about being dishonest. Um, I'm not saying that it's okay to lie about certain things. What I'm saying is it's okay that some things, um, Are kept to yourself you know uh and you have to decide what that is but i remember (sighs) when i got married and i was 29 i felt called because i believe this i believe that that um honesty is the best and i also believe that um I, I think this is a little misleading because, of course, honesty is is always the best way to go. But what, what I think she means by this, or at least what I, what I mean, what I'm taking away from this is some things – not everything has to be revealed and told, right? Like I used to believe in my 20s that if you love someone, you're a complete open book, and everything that you're thinking <laughs> should be spoken. Um, and after I got married, I – uh, it's like it's so weird i kind of felt called to like confess all the shit that i did before i even met her and who i was before and it backfired and um it was the beginning of the marriage crumbling because it was information that didn't need to be revealed you know uh and she judged me on it and uh we were young and i remember my friend saying why would you tell her that? It doesn't have anything to do with your relationship today. It's, you know, stuff that you did in the past. And, like, why, why would you do that? And I remember feeling so stupid. Like, oh, I don't know. I thought that's what love meant, you know. And so I do believe that it's a myth that when you're in a relationship, you have to tell your partner every single thing, you know. If you had a dream about someone last night who was a, who's a friend, a mutual friend. Your partner doesn't need to know. It's not that big of a deal. We don't have control over our dreams. It doesn't mean that you don't love your partner. It doesn't mean you're gonna leave, right? So think about what you want to to tell your partner um, and how it's gonna affect your partner. There's also a responsibility. There's a responsibility in keeping things to yourself and working through your own shit that you don't put on your partner. And this is another thing I used to do. I used to just put all my shit on my partner because I thought that's what love looked like. And if I'm dealing with it, then you you need to deal with it too. And if you're dealing with it, then, you know, I should deal with it too. And it's, um, it's codependent. It's enmeshment. It's irresponsible. And so think about how this information is going to affect your partner. And if it's responsible, It, 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 it may just be something that you need to work through, not put on your partner. And so, um, yes, of course, we should always be honest, but uh, the what I take away from this myth it, it isn't so much about honesty, it's, it's more about um, the best policy being you tell your partner everything. And I don't think that that's the best policy. I think there should be a filter. I think, uh, you know, we're not in high school anymore. There should be things that, um, you should keep to yourself because the impact uh, it may have on your partner um, is it, not good, and also it may be irresponsible to share whatever you want to share on uh, uh, because it may be something that that you need to you know work through and process. Anyway, those are six relationship myths that I um, agree with uh, with Esther Perel. And uh, things to think about. You don't have to agree. Hopefully they challenge you in some way as they did me. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordo. Lumia Coach Training